Bonjour and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. A few months ago, I received an email from a podcast listener, Richard Vogel, from L.A., And he wrote, I just wanted to drop you a note to let you know I've started listening to your podcast on my way to work and really love the show. I'm so fortunate because I receive a lot of those emails and um, and I it always warms my heart because doing a weekly podcast is a, a lot of work and it's but it's so gratifying to know that people appreciate it. And then uh, when I as I was uh, responding to Richard to thank him, I noticed that he was the fo a photo editor for Associated Press in LA and we started an email conversation and at one point I asked him if he would come on the show. Richard, thank you for joining me today. Oh, Valerie, thank you very much for having me. It's it's, uh, it's fun, and then I, you know, as we talked, I found out more about your story, and uh, I was like, "Wow, this is going to be a fun conversation." I just couldn't wait, so I'm glad we we managed to find a time that we work that would work for both of us. So, tell tell us a little bit about your background. Um, well, I actually come from a photography background. I studied photography. Oh boy, I started when I was very young and uh, studied photography in San Francisco at a place called the San Francisco Art Institute. And uh, from there, I migrated to New York, where I worked uh, in the industry as a photo assistant and for various photographers. I worked for Annie Leibovitz and Mary Ellen Mark. And I even did uh, quite a bit of black and white printing, and I printed for Bruce Gilden as well. Wow. And uh, so after after all of that, you know, I wanted to break off on my own. I had been doing some news photography, working for a photo agency, Gamma Liaison in New York. And somehow I ended up in the Philippines where I spent in Asia about 20 years and eventually got a job working for Reuters and then AP. And uh, I recently, well, recently, uh, about nine years ago, I moved to Los Angeles as a photo editor. Wow, that's quite uh, quite a, a a career, and and I'm really curious to find out a little bit about uh, without going into too much detail. And I know you, there are probably a lot of personal things that um, you know that you'd rather share if we meet for coffee rather than rather than the air. But how was it to work with Annie Libowitz and Mary Ellen Mark and, and then Bruce Gilden? I mean, everybody will want to know a little bit. So what could you tell us? Oh, boy, I'll tell you, um, you know, it's it's people who've made it that big have have a certain drive and passion and, you know, I think what everybody, what they all have in common is their discipline, you know, and um, it was, it was a great, great experience. I learned a lot. Um, you know, it's all, a lot of it is interpersonal in, interaction between people. And I've taken that with me um, all the way through my entire career. Yeah. So what, so really their, their discipline, that's really the one common thread you think? I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, 
you know, that is the first and foremost thing that, that they've done, you know. And what stands out the most for each individual? Um, you know, I worked with Annie for about a year and um, it was really her drive, her drive and her passion. Mm -hmm. And I would say that with with all of them, you know, working with Bruce and I, you know, and not only did I print for Bruce, but we we spent a lot of time on the street shooting and watching how he worked. And that's really it's it's the passion and the drive that they all gave to their to their art, you know. Yeah. Wow. Do you shoot Bruce Gilden style today? Uh, no, I don't actually. <laughs> it's funny you would ask. No, I don't. <laughs> and that's really a personality thing. I don't think you can force it. You know, I my my style's a little bit more laid back, more fly on the wall sort of a approach. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get and it's not like I couldn't do it. I mean, I can certainly I'm not shy. But it's just not not me. And then there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, but I feel like too many people think that's the way you have to be to be a street photographer, but it's not true. No, not at all. I mean, um, I, I prefer being more stealth-like. Mm -hmm. I, work, I work very close. I work with wide-angle lenses, so I'm not, like, hiding in the distance or anything. I'm right up front. And, um, but I don't really – I take a different approach. Yeah. You know? and, and I think you, there is an approach out there for everyone. Um, you know, you have to find the one that – fits you and makes you happy as a photographer and not force yourself to do something that you're so uncomfortable with that uh, that just defeats the purpose of being out there with a camera. I, I well, think. true. And, and, you know, I think um, trying to emulate any, any individual photographer will only get you so far. Mm -hmm. You really have to find your own style and your own way of doing it. For, for really, sure. So, really. so tell me, uh, so you, you worked as an assistant in New York with all those amazing people. And, um, and then you, you, you went to the Philippines, you said. Yeah. You know, I had, I've been shooting all along on the street. I, you know, studying photography and the type of photography I studied in school was along the lines of, Cartier-Bresson and Robert Frank and Gary Winogrand, Lee Friedlander. And so I had been doing this all along, this sort of style of photography. And one thing led to the next, and I hooked up with a photo agency in New York and started doing more news-style photography, mm -hmm. more photojournalism, which suited my style of photography, you know, and my personality, you know, you have sure. to have a, yeah, there are yeah. some really uh, lots of similarities between street photography and photojournalist, uh, photojournalism for sure. Absolutely. And so, um, I had been working with this agency in New York and, uh, they just came up to me and said, we need somebody in the Philippines. And I had been doing some projects around, I had, um, you know, all along I had been working with, uh, writers doing stories, reportage style work. And so I had at one point been working in Asia. And so they asked me if I wanted to move to the Philippines, they needed a photographer there. And that's sort of my start where I got started in Asia. 
So what were you shooting there? Did, did they, do you have special assignments? Long um, assignments, short assignments? How was it? Everything from news and features, breaking news. Uh, it was around the time uh, the volcano Pinatubo erupted. And there was always, always seemed to be some sort of a disaster to cover in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So, and then always looking for features, feature stories about, you know, anything, you know, uh, it, a lot of it self-assigned. A lot of it was determined by what breaking news there was, elections, covered elections, that sort of thing. So you were working for Reuters at the time? Uh, no, I was working for Gamma. Okay. And then I had gone uh, to cover some elections in Cambodia in the early 90s. And I had always been stringing for, you know, Reuters and AP, you know. And so, I, you know, you, you kind of get a community when you're overseas and you, you, you be part of a community. So we all knew each other, all the wire guys, all the agency guys, you know, you're, you're covering news and everybody shows up at the same place. So I'd gone off to cover the elections in Cambodia And 92, and uh, I got home to the Philippines, and I got a call from Reuters, and they asked me if I wanted a job working in Cambodia. So from there, I had moved to Cambodia to work for Reuters, and I was with Reuters for a couple of years in Cambodia, and then I switched over to AP, and I've been with AP ever since. So when you were with Reuters, like how... Were you, on, were you a staff photographer? Because I'm sure things have changed a lot. Are there still a lot of staff photographers or are they people freelancing and working on special assignments? How does it work today? Well, today things have changed so mm -hmm. dramatically. I mean, there, are so, there, aren't, there aren't as many staff jobs as there used to be. So um, now more freelancers, you know, they're more likely to hire freelancers Yeah. Um, yeah, I had, I had worked, they used to call us super contract photographers. Okay. <laughs> so, um, it was, uh, it was good. It was a very good experience. Um, at the time it was a great time to be in Cambodia and, uh, you know, the business has changed so dramatically in the last 20 years, as you, I'm sure you yeah. know. Yeah. You know. So, so is it, uh, how much tougher is it now to break into the, well, we'll, we'll get into that actually, because now you're, you are a photo editor for AP. So that means you're not out shooting on assignments or anything, right? You're no, just, not you're in an office now. Right. Not on a daily basis. I do manage to get myself out on yeah. occasion and shoot some assignments, but I'm mostly working out of the office. And uh, primarily, I assign freelancers or staff photographers. And I, I kind of, it depends. I mean, it's very varied. It, we have, with uh, at being a news agency, we have reporters. So we're always illustrating stories for reporters. Um, and then I hire freelancers for sports events. And if we need any, anything else. Um, Breaking news, you know, and that's the other thing with breaking news now uh, with with the Internet and social media. You'd be surprised at how much we're getting as soon as something breaks. We'll go right to social media. Okay, Twitter. 
that was my next question. So that's how you, you, that's where you get your pick mostly. You know, a lot of times if something is breaking yeah. and in the meantime, if we can, if we can get someone to it, we'll try to, if not, we, I mean, the first thing we do now is social media, Twitter, you'd be surprised. And everybody in this age, everybody has a camera. Everybody mm-hmm. is a photographer now. So we call it UGC, user generated content. And so to get um, pictures on the wire as quickly as possible, it's, you'd be surprised people are posting stuff immediately. So we you reach know. out and we'll see if they're willing to share their pictures with us. Okay. So, um, so you, you can't, is that part of your job? You, you, you contact those people? That's part of the job, yeah. Okay. So how, how does it work from there? You just uh, send them like a Twitter message or you message tweet them, them back? Yeah. yeah, we tweet them. We ask if we could use their picture. The one thing that we do that pretty much separates us from most other people is we don't just pull pictures off the Internet. We don't pull Facebook pictures off and use them. We don't pull tweet, Twitter pictures. We actually will have get have to get permission from the copyright owner of the photo which can be complicated sometimes yes but so there are actually agencies out there that just pick up photos without asking oh yeah yeah yeah. i've seen a lot you'd be surprised at how many news agencies just pull stuff from facebook and twitter and just use it in their stories but i mean obviously they're not allowed to do that without permission are they? I don't. I don't think so. So, I mean, do you they leave yourself open to any kind of legal action? But is it worth it for them? Is it? Does the because it's so easy to do, it outweighs the risk? You think, or what? Um, I, you know, I, I couldn't speak to them, but um, I think that they probably consider that it's for editorial use, and they consider it a fa- fair use. But, um, you know, the thing is that AP is so big that we're, you know, we're the we're kind of the big guy on the block and easy to pick on, you know. So and also the nature of the wires is once a picture goes out, it can get used in thousands of publications around the world. So it's so hard to regulate all this. It's really impossible. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and, you know, without going into it, you know, there have been cases where uh, there are lawsuits that, you know, that happen regarding that. So, yeah, I can, I can see that. So, so AP will always ask permission. Is there compensation at times? Or how does it work? Or you just um, get a credit line? It it actually depends on, on, on what it is, you know, um, it really depends. Depends on how bad we need it, how big a story it is. You know, there are a lot of variables on to whether we'll actually pay for pictures or not. I mean, you'd be surprised. A lot of people who are just tweeting pictures to get their stuff out there willing are more than happy to let us use it. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I, I see that all the time, which is really hurting the industry. It's like this vicious circle. Right. Well, yeah, I think there's always been um, contributors to agencies that, 
you know, don't consider the consequences of what they're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, mean, it's, it's really the same for, you know, wedding photographers who do the job for $500 are hurting everybody else because, you know, then it's hard to get compensated for what you're worth to do, to do a job if people are willing to do it for almost nothing. Uh, that's true. There's always someone who come along who'll do it for nothing or do it for a lot less than you will, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's, um, tell me, what's the day in your life as a photo editor? Um, Before usually, we move on to street photography. <laughs> okay. Usually I, the first thing I do <laughs> is a cup of coffee and then I check the news to see what's breaking in my area. Um, and also we're, Uh, I oversee uh, about 14 states in the West. So we're, we're overseeing um, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, Southern mm-hmm. California, and then a few of the Northern states, which mm-hmm. are, is also covered by our bureau in San Francisco. So um, a lot depends on what's breaking how big a story it is. Usually we're covering national stuff, you know, news that has national implications, but um, a lot, a lot will depend on what's breaking that morning and who's available to cover it. So, um, you know, it's funny because as people leave, they haven't been replacing uh, photographers. So our staff is, <laughs> is we've got down to a skeleton crew now. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine. uh, Yeah. So um, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, and also depending on what our reporters are writing on. So um, it really, it'll vary from day to day. It could be anything. It could be a huge fire in downtown LA to, um, you know, a reporter working on a story about immigration and we'll need to, get someone to photograph uh somebody that they're interviewing you mm-hmm. know so so you have a you have a bunch of um freelancers that you can call that's how it works yeah we have about uh 10 regular freelancers that we call and in southern california we've probably got another about eight staff photographers between los angeles and san diego okay just eight wow Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And uh, so how does one become a, a freelancer for AP? Mm. Well, you know, <laughs> we've had some of our freelancers have been working us for years. Um, and I get asked that question a lot. And, um, you know, there's so little work now. Um, it's, I, you know, I get portfolios. It depends on your portfolio, what you're doing. You know, a lot of people are specialized now, so we'll get sports photographers, you know, and then they'll just submit their work to us and we'll sign them. And what, when you work as a freelancer for us, you've get, you get a, a, a share uh, on sales. So there's a rev share and you get a code and you have to sign a contract And so, um, you know, it really varies. Uh, I mean, some people just keep coming up with new stuff and we'll, we'll take it. And that's, 
you know, so, I mean, so people could be working on a special project, a story, and then they can submit it for review. Um, you know, a lot of times it'll be if, <laughs> you know, it really, it's really difficult because how can I explain it? Oh boy. Um, you know, we, we're always, we always need people, but there isn't that much freelance work now. So a lot of it goes to our regular guys sure. that are, that are, have been working for us for years. So to get started as a freelancer is extremely difficult, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You really have to stand out. You have to really stand out and you have to be, you know, have a pretty strong portfolio. And a lot of times by that time, you're an established photographer, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And probably not put all your eggs in the, <clears throat> all your eggs in the same basket. Um, work for different, different outlets. And you really need to, to, to really wear a lot of hats and yeah. juggle a lot of things. because you know, um, it's very difficult to get by just on what freelance work you can get from the wires, you know? Yeah. You have to be passionate about it to, uh, to make it, I suppose it's gotta be a, a lot of persistence, like, like in a lot of, uh, jobs where that stem from a, a, a passion or a hobby such as photography. So, so when, um, so when you're not looking at pictures, you're out on the streets making your own. Uh, yeah, actually, um, <laughs> you know, I've always been out shooting pictures on the street, but my most recent uh, alliteration of street photography started about two years ago after I had back surgery. And part of my rehab was walking. Mm -hmm. And so I started to I get I get a half hour for lunch and. I started to go out in the neighborhood where our office is in downtown Los Angeles and make pictures. And I was surprised. I, I kept surprising myself. What can you do in a half an hour? You know? Mm -hmm. And I would go out, I'd go 15 minutes out. Sometimes I would, I would tweak it a little more. I'd go out for 45 minutes, but I would go out 15 minutes out and 15 minutes back. And I'd bring my camera And I kept surprising myself at the stuff I was coming up with. And so it just took off. I just kept doing it. And, and even to, you know, every day I go out and I take that half hour, 45 minutes, and it's pretty much the same area. It's the Bunker Hill area of downtown LA. And I just surprised myself at what I can come up with, you know? Yeah, there are new stories every day. Yep. I also, I see that you, um, shooting with the Fuji and mm -hmm. that I, I was up in San Francisco some years ago and a friend of mine had the X100. And the minute I saw that camera, I fell in love with it. Is that what you have now? And now I use, I've been shooting with a, um, X-T1, Fuji X-T1, and I just got the X-Pro2. Okay. And because my background and when I was in school, we shot with Leicas mm -hmm. and did a lot of street photography with Leicas. And when we when we all switched to digital, my Leicas kind of sort of fell by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And it was just too difficult overseas working with film and digital at the same time. And so, I don't know, whenever they came out with the Fuji, it just sort of 
hearkened back to my old days as an old Leica photographer. Yeah, it had the the Leica uh, nostalgia without the price tag. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, you know, I work on the street. Like I said, I try and be as stealth-like as possible. I work with wide-angle lenses. So I work in very close to people. And uh, and it's... uh, it's a real joy, you know. Mm-hmm. How much uh, post-processing do you do? Um, I try and do as minimal as, as, mm-hmm. as possible. You know, I try and do, you know, your basic Photoshop. Um, I've been Good. doing a lot of black and white, so I'll convert to black and white. But uh, I try and keep that sort of thing down to a minimum. Yeah. I don't. Um, that's another thing. Um, as far as. Uh, working on the street, I try not to direct or manipulate. My yeah, we subjects. we were talking about that. Well, we were writing about that on uh, on an email. So I'd l- I'd love to talk about that actually. Uh, what was that interaction you had with someone regarding manipulating well, street we, photograph? I was out shooting with somebody, and I'm waiting. I was there waiting. We were both standing there, kind of shoulder to shoulder, waiting for something to develop. And then all of a sudden he steps in and he tells this guy to go stand a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so then, which spurred the, the conversation of, well, wait a second, you know, I try not to manipulate or direct my subjects at all. Unless, like I said, it's a portrait. If it's a portrait, that's another thing. You well, know? sure. Yeah. You want to do it the best as possible so you know move the subject if necessary but but this was more of a um more of a candid a a candid situation right yeah 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 and you know i i i'll i'll stand there and wait till something develops Mm -hmm. and i'll try not to put any any input into the photo at all you know of course your presence in in itself will change a situation yes mm -hmm. for sure I, I, I kind of come from the school where, and it's also a photojournalism thing is, you know, not to direct your subjects at all, you know, and not to remove elements and not so forth. Not to remove so. elements or put elements into pictures. Um, to me, I feel fairly strongly about that. So the argument was, well, it's street photography. It's not photojournalism. Uh-huh. And I say, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know? yeah, it does- it's uh, definitely. I mean, it's a personal thing, but I, I, I agree with you. Just like I don't remove elements, a lot of people say, "Oh, why didn't you remove this garbage can?" Or I'm like, "Well, it was there, and it's part. You know, it's my job as a photographer to remove it before to frame." without it in the picture if i can if i can't well it stays there it's there um but yeah i well first of all (laughs) that would just drive me crazy because i don't like working in uh i don't like working in in post-processing that much that i would spend any more amount of time than the few seconds it takes to uh to to get the picture out but um definitely removing and cloning and all that those are things that i would not enjoy doing anyway so i'm glad i'm a street photographer for that because oh yeah no cloning anything out or adding anything absolutely it's an absolute well in photojournalism a no-no and as far as i'm concerned in street photography as well yeah i approach it the same way as well so i completely agree with you 
I mean, I can understand if you have some dust in the sky, you know, and you want to take that out, but that's it. To me, there's a limit, you know, and, you know, I, I just personally, I just feel that if I make a picture on the street and it's purely natural, I had had no control over what happened in the image. It's just much more satisfying to me than something I manipulated. Oh, yes, exactly. And, um, and th- not that there is anything wrong with that. I mean, people will do beautiful landscape, change the sky and whatever. Yeah, it's part of their their art. And and if they enjoy doing that, fine. Even if I photograph landscapes, I, I would not go to that much extent. It just doesn't appeal to me. And it's interesting because recently I was at a talk um, of uh, an older photographer who had been working on a landscape project and and after he did his presentation somebody in the audience said but but there are power there are not power lines but they were those antennas you know for cell phone antennas on the hill and he said well why did you why didn't you remove them and he said well they were there and he said yeah but they were not there a hundred years ago and and he said, but I wasn't there a hundred years ago. I was right. there on that day, and they were there, and they may not be there in fifty years either. But they were there when I was there, and I think it's kind of more that old school mentality. And I so appreciated that. I so and I and I was looking at his images. They were not over processed. They, they had that more of a timeless feel to them, although they were landscapes and seascapes. And uh, and I really enjoyed that. And and I thought, okay, there, see, he's applying that same principle in landscape photography. And that's the first time, really, I heard somebody be so adamant about that. And uh, I thought, huh, that's interesting. And I quite like that. <laughs> yeah, I never heard that about <laughs> from a landscape photographer. I, I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, and I I mean, look, a, a, any argument can be made to the opposite. You know, it's it's art photography. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's not photojournalism. It's street photography. Well, I just have my own approach. And um, to me, I get more satisfaction out of capturing a moment that I've had no input in. Yeah, it's just something more satisfying, you know, and, you know, look, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You know, you walk away. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, when I'm working on the street, I see and I anticipate things and hopefully it comes together. It comes together. If not, well, it doesn't, you know, I mean, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's kind of part of the game, you know? Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I think it's because for you and same for me, it's more about the process, the process and being out there and the hunt rather than the resulting image. I mean, I feel like the resulting image, if I come out with a, a winner, that's like the icing on the cake. But it's not the it's the experience that's still more important to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And just like for like, for example, if I put my camera in burst mode and I do, I mean, sometime I'm in a location where I'm not going to come back anytime soon. The light is perfect. Yes, I'm going to put all the chances on my side and I, I'll switch to burst mode just to get the right step. But I never, ever get the same satisfaction from a, a keeper that way as if I would from a one one frame. Don't right. you feel the same way? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, sometimes I'll use burst mode if I'm if I'm um, shooting at a very slow shutter speed, mm-hmm. just to you know, just so I'll get one sharp yeah. one, mm-hmm. you know. 
but I rarely uh, uh, shoot in burst mode. Yeah, you know, it's that. Of course, it comes down to that one frame. You exactly. Know? And like you yeah. said, you get the person stepping a certain way, you know, and it's all about, you know, just being out there, putting yourself in a position to be able to do that, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, it, no, that's it. And it's part to me, it's part of the challenge. and It's part of the fun. Um, yes, we have tools that certainly make it easier. And yeah, by all means, you know, use them. And, and I and I certainly do again, like this burst mode thing, it saves <laughs> saves a lot of shots. But but I, I'm not quite as satisfied. So and when it comes down to it, what is the most important thing is your personal satisfaction and what you do. Because you're really the, you're doing street photography for yourself. You're the only person <laughs> you need to please. So, um, so that is part of of the the satisfaction. Absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. So, where are your favorite spots to shoot? Well, you know, um, <laughs> I'll I'll go uh, when when I have the time. I'll go to different parts of LA. I've been. I, there's a there's a place called Mariachi Plaza. I don't know how familiar know. you are with LA. I don't. I don't know if I've been there. Where, which, which neighborhood? It's in the Boyle Heights neighborhood, sort of East LA, Mm-mm. and um, and so I like going there. It's it's an area where all the mariachis gather to get hired, and it's a great place to shoot. I love it. You know, I love it there. And occasionally, I'll go to the beach. I, I go to Venice Beach quite a bit. Um, You know, uh, I do a lot downtown. A lot of times I'll go out and I'll find events that are happening, not so much to shoot the event itself, but to sort of work on the periphery of the mm-hmm. event. Yeah, that's what I you like know? to do as well, is the the behind the scenes and the stories that are happening of people exactly. getting ready to go to the event or watching exactly. it. Yeah. Right, right. And, you know, working... Um, and, and during my time working for a news agency, that was the one thing I always loved doing was doing feature stories. You know, um, it was always uh, something that gave me more satisfaction than the quick, um, breaking news or covering a news conference or a sporting event. It was always like a feature story that I worked on with a reporter that gave me the most satisfaction. What I love about street photography is there are no expectations. I'm not serving anybody, like you said, other than yourself, mm-hmm. you know? So when I go out, it's, it's like, I mean, I find it as the purest form of photography in a way, because I'm out there just doing it for myself. You know, I'm not trying to serve a client You know, it's not an assignment that I'm expected to do anything. Sometimes we'll go out, a lot of times we'll do features like weather features, illustrating different stories. And so for me, street photography, I'm not trying to photograph anything. Yeah, it's whatever story is going to cross your path. Right, exactly. Whatever I can find, you know, and it varies Wherever you are, you know, I used to do a lot of it overseas. And, you know, when you're in an exotic location, it's fairly easy. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sort of low hanging fruit. But when you work in the same place over and over again in your own hometown, it takes a little, 
you know, take some turning over rocks and finding stuff, you know? Yeah, that's true. And that's, that's, uh, I often say that. So you should be able to do your best work in your own environment. That's really where you'll shine because, I mean, there is the challenge of finding the novelty, but it's also a place where you know where the light is going to hit such building at a certain time. So you can also put some of those, that knowledge on your side too. Absolutely. I mean, you don't always have the luxury of being out and working, you know, at sunrise or sunset, mm -hmm. you know, you go out when you can. Um, and, I, you know, like I have this, it's like maybe a 10 or a 20 block radius that I go on every day and I pay, I take different passes. Sometimes I go the same way and I don't go out with any expectations. Yeah. So, you know, the, and, yeah. and do you do that still every day? I do it much? every day, every that's, day. That's great. You know, and you um, post on Instagram. And I post on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> when I come up with stuff, but, um, you know, it was like, you know, having the black back surgery was a kind of a bit of a godsend, you know, yeah. and, you know, the rehab forced me to get out and walk and I love walking. I love it. You know, um, and, and we do walk a lot as street photographers. It's amazing how the miles add up now that we have all those devices. I don't even want to know because I know I, <laughs> I, I, I don't need to keep track of how much walking I do because I know I do a lot, but a lot of people have those, those, uh, uh, Fitbits or whatever. Right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, they know exactly how many miles they cover. And on any workshop, we're always, I'm always amazed because it doesn't seem like it. You don't pay attention to how much ground you actually cover. That's true. Quite a bit. And I, you know, I, I mean, also the, um, the availability of mirrorless cameras really kind of was a godsend as well, because, uh -huh. you know, after 30 years of carrying heavy Nikon cam, you know, Canon gear, it was just too much. Yeah. You know, it's just. Yeah. Talking about that, actually, uh, among your freelancers, are some starting to move to smaller mirrorless cameras or are, are they still mostly using DSLR? Um, most are still using DSLR mm -hmm. only because they have the range. And if they're shooting sports, you know, you need the speed for the sports. But I, 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 I hear a lot of people who were thinking about switching. Yeah. I mean, it's a big investment yeah. too. I mean, it's not like they, they get free gear with the job. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so you they're know. using what they have uh, to till their, their last right. shutter click, I suppose. I, I was lucky because I was able to get some Canon gear from work. And so I was able to sell my own personal Canon gear and, and, and get the Fuji, Fuji stuff. And I've been very happy with it. You yeah. Know? yeah, it is. Uh, I, it's I'm great. not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sponsored by Fuji in any way, but I love it. I love it. You know, it doesn't necessarily spec out as, as good as, some of the other gear, the Sony, but, um, being able to have, uh, analog and analog readouts on a camera, being able to have an aperture ring and a shutter speed. Mm -hmm. It's just really, I find it, it just brings a joy to my photography that I haven't had in many years. Yeah. I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. And that's really the whole point. So who was I talking to recently who was thinking of switching to a Leica from, I don't know, they were shooting 
DSLR and they were going mirrorless. And I and they said, what should I do? Should I do this or this or this? And I'm like, well, it really doesn't matter. I mean, if you want a, the Leica brand, yeah, and you can afford it, go get a Leica. But your Leica doesn't have any more vision than your iPhone or anything else. I mean, it's still all about you and you only. And so if the camera, just having a certain brand will make you go out there more. Hey, get that, get it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But it's yeah. not going to make better pictures. So as long as you have, as long as that's understood, yeah, if the if having a retro-looking camera like a little Fuji X100T makes you go out there more, then it works. Get that, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever works for you. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Yeah. And I, I always tell people, if you have any camera gear that's just sitting around, not doing anything, get rid of it and get something that you will use. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, it's not easy to sell DSLR, uh, use DSLR gear these days. There are a lot of them on the market. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You know, and the and the quality is there. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it, it would be one thing if it was just, you know, a retro looking camera. But I just find the quality is just remarkable you know yeah for sure so what's uh what's next for you do you do seminars as well or i do i've been doing some seminars um out of a uh, a small gallery in the koreatown section of la it's called the perfect exposure gallery and we'll do some street seminars and we'll go out on the street and shoot we've been documenting koreatown which is kind of fun and uh that's pretty much it. I just, uh, you know, I tell you, um, Instagram, I love Instagram. I love the internet, you know, and I love that the internet, the way it's democratized photography, you know, um, everybody has a venue now, which is fantastic, you know? Yeah. And so, um, that's what I'm doing. I'm planning, trying to plan some more seminars uh, this fall and, uh, and we'll see, you know, and try and uh, I'm just happy. I have a job, you know? Yes. And, uh, and a lunch break to go out with your camera every day. And I can still walk. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know? Well, where can people see your work on Instagram then? Um, it's just my name, Richard Vogel. And it's VO. G-E-L. G-E-L, yeah. Okay, great. Well, Richard, this was really fun. I'm glad we finally uh, made the time to to connect. And uh, see, it's that's what I love about the show is that I, I get uh, emails from people and then friendships develop. And uh, next time I'm in L.A., we'll go have coffee and hit the streets together. Oh, please, definitely. We, we've got to do that. Yes. That would be great. It was great to talk to you. And thank you very much. And like I said, it's a great podcast and keep up the great work it's really fantastic yeah thank you i appreciate right. it thanks valerie thanks and we okay. are at the end of another episode of street focus please head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash street or street focus either way you'll get there to subscribe to the show don't forget to subscribe on itunes as well even if you don't use it a lot it really helps us get some visibility and leave a rating and even better leave a comment and share on social media to spread the love my name is valerie jardin and you've been listening to street focus now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets